Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm Kathy Klein, the founder and host of the Rock Your Retirement Show. For the next year, Barbara Mock is our special guest. She's letting us live vicariously through her eyes, telling us what it's like to go through the stages of retirement. This week, which is chapter two of our story, Barbara tells us about her first vacation that she's taken since she made the announcement and what she's learned from her vacation. She tells us about the episodes that she's been able to coax her husband into listening to so that they can keep their marriage strong through this upcoming change. And she tells us about a book she's reading, working through the exercises so that she can be as mentally prepared as possible. You know, it's not easy for someone who's had a high-powered career to retire, no matter how much you want to spend time with family, grandkids, or just relax and travel. Join Barbara and me as we learn about what it's like over the next year while Barbara learns how to rock her retirement. So, Barbara, it's so great to have you back. How's everything going? Oh, my gosh. It has been an amazing time since the last time we talked. I have had so much fun practicing for retirement. <laughs> well, I read through your blog posts, and I hope the listener is reading through the blogs as well. Um, it looks like you really went through some ups and downs just getting to this point. But since our last talk, let's see. You've announced, pretty much everybody knows, uh, you've gone on vacation, you've had some hugs. So what else is going on now? Well, I, I wanted to tell you about practicing for vacation because I think if you remember when we talked, my husband was literally loading up the truck and we were heading east to northern Idaho. And we spent two weeks where I wasn't working. And so I announced, I talked with you 
and one on vacation. So how's that for good planning? I think the fun <laughs> thing about practicing for retirement is it was such a surprise because we had had a trip planned to Whistler, BC. We were those people in the 90s that bought one of those timeshare condominiums, but with Canada clothes, we couldn't go and we didn't have anything planned. But at the last minute, some husbands put together a plan to go to Priest Lake, Idaho. One of my very dear friends that I've worked with for over 30 years, she and her husband are looking with an eye towards retirement and they purchased a lot in Priest Lake. The lot is undeveloped right now, but their plan is to build a future cabin there. So we headed east and our other friends that we've known for 40 years, we met in a Bible study before our kids were born and we've maintained a friendship. Even though they live in Eastern Washington, we live in Western. They rented us a house. So we had a luxury cabin with a kitchen and beds to sleep in. And again, last minute, our son said, dad, mom, why don't you take my boat with you? And we were like, are you sure? Because this is a Malibu wake setter. It's a, it's like a race car on water. And we said, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, the timing works great. You guys take it east and enjoy it because his family was going to Kettle Falls on Lake Roosevelt and they were going to be on a houseboat with two other families. So let me break in here. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to live in Spokane yeah. and we used to go to Priest Lake. I have yeah. to just tell the listener that people in Eastern Washington who live over there, water skiing is one of the premier activities. Yeah. So yes. go continue. Nope, no problem. <laughs> Interrupt away. You can add color here. Anyway, we uh, took the boat, surprisingly, and we went over there and it was magical. It was 96 degrees. You're in a mountain lake. I hope you guys look it up. Look at the photos. Look on Google Earth. I even took some pictures, but it's crystal blue, pristine water. You can see to the bottom, even when it's quite deep. And it's really remote. There's not a lot of people that live there. There are some vacation cabins on the south end, but my friend, being from there said, let's go to the north end of the lake. And I'm not sure we would have done this had she not been there because we weren't familiar and we've got our son's boat. So she took us to this place uh, called Upper Priest Lake, but she took us through something called the thoroughfare. And the thoroughfare is about two miles. It's about the width of two good sized roads. So it's very narrow, like a little river. And it was full of little kids on floaties, kayaks, canoes, pontoon boats, water ski boats like ours, but it's a no wake zone. And we, I felt like the queen of Sheba sitting in the oh, front of that wonderful. boat going up there. We were with friends that we've known forever and ever. And we had adult beverages and had a picnic lunch and we sat and we floated in the bay. It so was, nice. it was magical. And I thought, is this what retirement could be like? And so having fun with friends that we've known forever and ever kind of made me realize that maintaining friendships over a long period of time is really going to be something valuable to me as we retire because we don't keep track. We don't, we don't uh, worry about what's going on. We just start where we left off. And I'm just so grateful for those friendships. Well, after we were there for three days, we went to Farragut State Park in Lake Ponderay, and it's spelled P-E-N-D-O-R-I-E-L-L-E. -E -L -L -E. It looks like panned Oriole. Um, <laughs> but our friends had to go back to work, but I'm right. practicing retirement and I'm still off. And so again, we had a boat, 
we dusted off camping equipment. Kathy, we haven't camped in dirt for 20, 25 years. And it was romantic. I know that sounds weird, but it was just the two of us. We were the oldest people in the campground in a tent. Everyone else. Well, had because them. most people our age are camping, as you know, at the Marriott or uh, at the, <laughs> the whatever inn. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But people had motorhomes and buses and everything. So we put up the tent, we put in our little chairs and we watched the moon come up and the stars were out. And it was romantic. And so we thought, wow, why haven't we done this for a while? And my husband said, because we had kids and it's a lot more work with those of you that have kids. So the next morning we got up and we took a hike and we went around the point and we came to a town called Bayview and we talked to people there. They have all these little homes that are floating on the water in this scenic bay. And the town has been quite small for many, many years, but during World War II, it burst on the scene because that's where the Navy trained submariners. Who knew that there's a lake in northern Idaho that they trained for World War II? It's such a deep lake. There's still a naval base there today. But what we learned is many, many people are retiring to this little community. They said there were people from California, Oregon, and Washington that either are buying primary homes because it's a slower lifestyle and much more reasonable or second homes. So as we hiked back from our morning hike, it got hotter and hotter. We went and got our lunch and got on our swimsuit. But what we talked about is who can we bless? Who can we share our blessings with today? We have this boat, no friends, and it seats 12. And so my husband found our neighbor next door across the aisle on the, on the campsite. And it was this lovely, adorable couple named uh, Jared and Raquel. Jared, we found out, uh, is in the Air Force National Guard, and he serves in the Chaplain Corps, but he also has a job in communications and IT. And his beautiful wife, Raquel, had dark, black, silky hair all the way down to the back of her thigh. She wow. was gorgeous. She was of Philippine descent. She came from the Philippines. And I love a good love story. So I said, I'll tell you our love story if you tell us yours. As it turns out, they met online. They dated for a year. And uh, he spent three years getting her to come to the United States. Well, we went out on the boat and it was gorgeous again. And we went to this place called Button Hook Bay. And this is an eternal moment for me. And I think your listeners will learn that I collect them. For me, an eternal moment is something I will never forget. And it's one of the few things that I can take with me to heaven. Well, we were sitting in this bay and it was heaven. It was crystal clear water again. And I put on my life jacket. The boys jumped in. But Raquel was not too sure about any of this. So I got in the water and I said, come on, you've got to get in. It's so hot. So I pers persuasive. I cajoled her and I got her in the life jacket. She sat down on the swim step. And I finally, after 20 minutes, got her in the water. Well, I was a little naive because I didn't understand that she lived in a village in the Philippines that was never near water. And she was deathly afraid of water and had never learned to swim. So just the fact she got on the boat was a big accomplishment. But her husband looked at me as I'm in the water and wrapped his arms around her as he lifted her out and he mouthed, thank you. 
later I found out he's been trying to get her in the water for a long time and he has hope now that she'll take swim lessons. Well, we continued on our way and the camp host, who was amazing, said there are mountain goats over on that hill. And my husband, being a wildlife watcher, he put in the binoculars and he found them. We were wow. shocked. As the sun was setting, we saw the mountain goats and we just didn't want that afternoon to end. So we came back to the dock and we said, you know what? We have these huge Costco steaks, thick steaks. We could share them with you. Do you want to come join us for dinner? And she got all excited because she said, oh, I can bring my Philippine food. And I said, wow, that sounds amazing. And her proud husband said she actually worked in her sister's restaurant. Now, wow. it, was, it was on the streets, but she made something called pancit, P-A-N-C-I-T, which was an egg noodle dish with vegetables and broth. I got the better end of the deal. I said, here, <laughs> have these Costco steaks. We said grace, we shared a meal, and then we said goodnight and goodbye. You know, one of the really nice things about this story is that although the boat is something that you would typically need money to have. Yeah. The other things, the hiking, the camping, the sharing the meal, these are things that you that that you don't need money for. And so I think that's just such a wonderful story that you were able to share that with another couple. Well, it was $30 a night to camp. And that's what we were paying. And that's what they were paying. And they were there for the whole week. And I guess my takeaway is, as far as friendship, as a, as a pillar, I've been looking at maintaining these relationships with long-term friends, but you know what? They're going to be working. But what we learned on this planning and recreating and enjoying looking forward to vacation is that you can make friends anywhere if you're open to it. Now, were they about the same age as No, you, no, no, or? no. We're in our 60s. They were in their 20s. Isn't that And wonderful? so having an elderly man walk up to you and say, do you want to go on a boat ride? We thought, well, <laughs> you know, is, is, are they going to want to do it? But they just said, we'd love to. So It's yeah. called intergenerational friendships. <laughs> I'll never forget that day. It was it was absolutely incredible. In fact, she was calling relatives. He has a 5G connection. She was calling relatives in the Philippines and showing them what we were doing on the boat as we were screaming up up the lake. It was it was pretty amazing how technology can connect us. So, so that's one of the amazing things is being able to take that risk to talk to people that you don't know. So many times that it, we say that it becomes more difficult to make friends as we get older, but is that because it's really more difficult or is it just because we're not as prone to walk up to strangers and introduce ourselves the way that we did when we were younger? Sure. I mean, I think that we lose some of that as we get older. So, so kudos that you were able to do that. And to the listener, just take this to heart that you too can make friends just on the spur of a moment, just talking to somebody that, you know, is sitting across from you or camping across from you or in the motorhome across from you or whatever it is in the house. A lot of people don't even know their neighbors that well. So that 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 is wonderful. So what else happened on this mini retirement slash vacation? Well, I put this uh, last story in the category of the uh, friends and friendship pillar. Now I want to talk to you about my spouse pillar. Because since we last talked, I've been listening to podcasts, I've been researching, I've even ordered a book or two, and my husband is not going to read those books. 
but he'll talk about them. He's not really going to listen to too many podcasts, although I've gotten him to listen to two important ones, but he will talk about it. Well, guess what? We had seven and a half hours to get from our home <laughs> to Northern Idaho and then seven and a half hours and a half hours back. And so I learned some things, Kathy. I thought he was so happy with his retirement and he generally is. He's been retired for three years and he, I think I've said before, he loves to golf and he takes care of me the rest of the time. But there's been a shift now that I'm home and I'm in his territory now. So I kind of have a role reversal. And we've talked about that on the podcast, but yes. it is usually the opposite. It's usually the woman who retires first. So exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so we talked a lot and he said, you know what? I feel like my retirement's been on hold. I'm having fun. I love what I'm doing, but I've been waiting until you're available. And I thought, oh my gosh, that was a great insight. And so a couple of things that I learned. One is he really, really does love golf. And one of your shows convicted me. I actually felt guilt. I thought, oh boy, she was talking about couples that don't do things together anymore and that they don't things have in, things in common and that that can lead to divorce. Well, for us, divorce is not an option. So we got to figure this out. So at the last minute, because again, these boys were planning it, he found out that my two girlfriends that I didn't know had started golfing. And he said, do you want me to throw your clubs in? I mean, they were covered with dust. And I thought, oh, brother. And I said, sure, why not? Well, a backstory is when the kids were little and he was working full time for the phone company, he had done basketball, he'd done softball, and he gave all that up because it just didn't make sense with the kids. And he took up a sport I love, snow skiing. He had never skied. And so we snow ski together to this day because I said, fair's fair if I'm going to be doing all this stuff with you. Well, when golf came on the scene, the kids were like three and five, maybe four and six. And I started calling golf the selfish sport. I, I feel uh -oh. bad for, for calling it that. <laughs> yeah. But it's that he would leave in the morning and then say, uh, I'll be home by noon. Well, you know, golf courses, you're never home by noon. It was one, one thirty, two, And that was right around nap time. So for about the first few weekends of the summer and Pacific Northwest summer is short, so you got to enjoy it while you can. I just said, you know, I'm not going to stay home anymore. You go ahead and golf, but I'm going to take the kids so that we can have fun. Well, part of it was I wasn't home when he got home. And the other part was I took him to the Woodland Park too. I took him to the Seattle Aquarium. We went on the ferry. We went to the beach. And you know, toddlers, daddy, we saw an eagle. Daddy, we saw otters and we met these fun people. And he goes, I'm missing out. So he gave up golf. And I feel bad about that. Well, flash forward to school years, our kids played basketball and we basically sat in gyms from first grade through college. So there was no golf. He was a good dad. He coached and everything. So as soon as our nest was empty, he got to go golfing. Well, he thought I should learn too. So we got clubs, we got shoes, got a cute outfit, took lessons, and I was working full time. And I don't know whether I didn't have time or didn't make time, but I didn't love it. So we made this agreement. You do golf and I do other things. Well, here I was on this trip with two girlfriends that are golfing with some dusty old clubs. And Kathy, I was open to it because of your show. Aww. And who knew 
I loved it. Now, did I hit the ball? No, not that well. Did I throw some in the water? Sure. But the two gals I was with said, Barb, it's a walk in a beautiful park. Don't worry about it. If your ball goes the wrong way, drop another one or pick it up and move it. We don't keep score. We just encourage each other and have fun. Oh my gosh, we played two days. And even after my friends left, I said, can we do that again? And he was so excited. And I actually enjoyed it. I think because I'm looking forward to retirement, not being in the midst of working. And he's excited because now you can do something together that he enjoys. We can, but I kept asking him the whole time, "Are, are you okay? Are you having fun? I'm doing terrible. He goes, Barb, you're not playing against me. You're playing against the course and yourself. Right. That's what and a that's handicap what makes... is for. It's like, I don't understand all this, so I won't be keeping score for a while. So I did something. I think you'd be very proud of me. What'd you do? I found couples night. Couples night. A farmer who has a turf farm opened up a driving range. And at couples night, you get two buckets of balls, two adult beverages if you want, and a little bit of instruction, not much, and an hour with your husband in the Snohomish Valley at sunset on a warm night. And they even had a food truck. I thought, wonderful! oh my gosh. So you'll really be proud of me. I signed up next month for four private golf lessons with a woman. I've decided that these young men probably don't want to train a 62-year-old how to (laughs) golf. And so I... I'm shocked. I am totally shocked. And what I see forward to is traveling and finding some little easy golf course along the way. And it's something we can do together. It'll never replace his men's club and all the joy he gets in his competitions. But when we're traveling, just the two of us, it's something we can do. And who knew? I'm completely shocked. How fun. How wonderful. And for the listener, it doesn't have to be golf. It's it's whatever. I mean, think about when you were dating, if your date asked you to do something that you weren't really thrilled about, guess what? You did it. You did it. We did things when we were dating that we wouldn't do when we were married. And so I think that it's, um, I love the fact that Barbara and her husband are, are doing something that he loves and she's growing to love it. That, that's great. We'll see if I get any better. But you know what? I've just decided after golfing with other girls, it doesn't matter. In fact, I'm really considering joining our local women's group uh, at his at the golf course that he goes to because I kind of grew up with some of them. Like I know them already and um, they don't keep score either. They just have fun. Oh, so. that's wonderful. I think they keep score where I live. But uh, <laughs> and I and neither my husband nor myself are, are really golfers. I, ha- I have a set of clubs, of course. And, you know, being a financial advisor, you kind of had to learn how to golf. But uh, <laughs> it just was never my thing. I always played best ball. So mm-hmm. that, you know, and I had whatever the highest handicap is, you know, whatever it is. But um, one thing that you might want to do is find on Netflix or YouTube or whatever, the episode of I Love Lucy, where oh. She uh, wants to play golf and, and uh, what was her husband's name? In the Ricky show? Ricardo. Ricky, they made up all kinds of rules that were just bogus. They just made up all these bogus rules. It's really funny. You and your husband can watch that and just get a good laugh. There you go. <laughs> so what else happened on your uh, time? What, what, what about when you got back? Because 
when you're retired, it's not a vacation. I mean, there, there's, and you're not retired yet, no. but uh, you had to get back from vacation and get back to the real world. So how did that feel? It was hard. It was hard because, you know, when you're at work, you're all in. And then when you're on vacation, you, you get away. I wanted to still be, you know, camping. I still wanted to be out there doing things, but I had to focus. There's lots going on at work. As far as the work from home, we're adjusting to having everybody still be working at home. We did an employee survey just to see how they're feeling about it. And it was shocking how many people don't want to come back in the office. And so right now we're working on uh, actually a project to figure out how do we do re reduce the space in our office and meet the needs of employees who need to come into the office because it's not working well for them at home because of either family, kids in school, bandwidth, or those that never want to come back. So I've got enough to keep me intellectually engaged and there's just tons of things going on around the budget and so forth. But I, I have to say it's, it's hard to switch your thinking where you're you're in another world you're you're working but you're looking forward to retirement and when you focus on retirement you feel like oh am i not focusing on work so it's kind of a um I don't know. I guess I feel like I'm straddling the line, so to speak, trying to do well in both categories. Right. It can be tough. Did Did you talk to any new people about your retirement? Have people been coming up to you and asking you about it? Or is that pretty much done? I think it's kind of died down, but I have had a couple people reach out uh, on my offer for mentoring and coaching. And I had my first meeting with one of our amazing young employees. She is destined for leadership. And I just said, you know what, we're going to follow through on this. So I scheduled the next six months out once a month for a half an hour, and we can work on whatever it is that she wants to talk about. And uh, it was delightful. It was so fun. It kind of gave me a vision of what could be to the degree that a 28 year old or a 30 year old wants to talk with me about career, about family life, about what's going on in the world. Um, it was, it was really, really fun. So that's pretty much been the size of it. Every once in a while, someone will find out and go, oh, are you kidding? Someone like outside that, that first circle of coworkers and colleagues. And, um, and then I just keep getting told, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. One thing I did is I started reaching out to people that are maybe 10 years older than me that I've known in other circumstances that I always said, you're who I want to be when I grow up right? That they, they were already rocking their retirement. And I called one and apparently it made her day that I called her and to ask her about retirement. Um, cause we hadn't talked for years. Um, but what she told me was amazing. It was so inspiring. She's in her seventies, her husband's in her eighties. And she said, keep moving, move. Don't become fragile. Don't sit in your chair. And when you hear what they do, they have stand-up paddle boards. They go kayaking. They are avid snow skiers. They, they ski all over the world and in the U.S. She has a bike that she rides, and they finally got an e-bike because those hills are, are kind of tough. Um, she has an organic garden. She does yoga and works out every morning, and she golfs. And I said, oh, my gosh. And she goes, you can't stop moving. And so that was her advice is to stay strong exercise, keep working out so that you can do the things in your retirement that you want to do. So great advice. Great advice. You know, when Les and I went to Asia 
was it last year or the year before? You know, time kind of blends together for me. We went to an island in Korea and we saw the um, the women divers. I don't know if you've heard about them. I always thought that they dive for pearls, but they, they're not. They're diving for, for sea animals that you eat. And then they... They bring these animals onto the shore and they sell them. And if you buy them, they cut them up right there and they give them to you. Most people are eating them raw. And one thing that we we were talking with the tour guide and she said that all the young women, they get the bad spots because the women that have done this, they've worked their way up. There's a hierarchy. And some of these women are 80 years old and they're still diving and they're in the best shape of their life. And if you would think that you'd want to stop doing that physical activity at, at a certain age, but I think that's more of an American. I think that's more of a Western kind of thought process where in most other parts of the world, you do maintain your activity. I mean, one other thing that I noticed in Asia was the toilets. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but in the the toilets in Asia, if you go to the non-American, they usually have one or two American toilets, but all the other toilets, it's a hole and you have to squat over it. And, you know, we Americans are like, how do these Asian women all, all looks like they're in such great shape and they've got thin legs? It's because they're squatting over these toilets. And I, I tried it once. I'm like, I'm going to try it at least once. And all the other women on the tour were, they were like in a long line for the American toilet. I'm like, I got to try this just to see what it's like. The hard part was getting up from the squat without touching the wall. I'm like, I am not touching the wall. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to do this. You do things that are hard physically. I think your life is going to be better. And one of those hard physical things is not sitting. You know, it's so easy for us to become couch potatoes. And like me, my husband and I have been binge watching Homeland you know, we're, we're almost done. So if you've watched it, don't tell us what happens. We're, no, we're, on, I haven't seen it. <laughs> we're on the sixth season, but you know, but the agreement that we made is we have to exercise or no TV and we're getting a lot more exercise done now that we've made that rule. No exercise, no TV. And, uh, you know, we, what we really need to do is say exercise for 30 minutes per show. But that's not. So we'll we'll exercise for 30 minutes and then watch two hours. <laughs> but yeah, I love the fact that your friend, are you going to play golf with her? Oh, yeah. I would, just what's interesting to me is calling people and telling, uh, telling them that you're going to retire, you get an invitation. So I'm just getting invitations all over the place. Everybody has extra bedrooms. And she said, we can go, we can play golf, we can cross country ski, we can go hiking. Uh, they live in a beautiful area and, um, and said, you're welcome to come. So just making these phone calls to kind of interview people a little bit, to ask them about their retirement experience is turning into, I've got um, a map and I'm just like putting little dots of all the different places that I'm getting invited and then reciprocating to them. If they ever get in this area, they're always welcome to come to our house. That's great. Have you had any conversations with your husband besides the 14, 15 hours of conversations that you had on the drive? We're having them almost every day. And the reason is, is that um, there are so many checklists. Uh, who knew? 
Um, I had no idea that there's a checklist for retirement with, with where I work. There's a checklist for retirement with the state. Um, we consulted with our financial planner and we're just re-looking at everything. And it's kind of overwhelming. I've got a board where I've just got these lists. And I guess what surprised me, Kathy, is that there's so many things with deadlines and there's so many things that you need to do in a certain order, right? Whether you apply for, for social security, um, decisions about COLA versus no COLA, survivorship uh, versus, you know, what percentage and you're nodding your head as a financial planner, but this is all new to me. And I guess what's kind of hard is that when we have conversations for decision, there's pressure, right? That it's an important decision and there's a deadline and that causes stress. So we're talking through a lot of things. And I guess this is something, if I had some advice that I'm learning right now is to take a lot of time ahead of time, because if you had to make the decisions we're looking at within a day or two, I don't think that would be good. The other thing is, is if you miss a deadline, it can have a consequence for the rest of your life. So I'm trying to stay organized as I'm learning these things from you, from your, um, from the podcast and from things I'm reading. And I actually bought like a behind me is a 24 by 36 calendar. I don't know if you can see it there that I got it's dry erase and it's for 2021. And I've got lists of things of places to go, things to do. Um, but just to remind myself, okay, I need to take care of deferred compensation. Um, so I know this show isn't about money, but I guess one thing that I'm learning is it's kind of a circle. Like you can either figure out how much money you have and you can say, well, then what could we do? Or you can say, what do we love and what do we want to do? And do we have enough money for it? So there is, I think our financial planner used the word holistic. You need to look at the entire picture. Well, that takes a while to kind of figure out all these things. And I think it's a negotiation. Like, are we going to buy a, a piece of property and a home if we could? Or are we going to go in an RV? Or are we going to travel? And I could do all those things, but we can't do everything. So, yes, we've been having lots and lots of discussions. I made him listen to What a Retiring Executive Needs Besides Money. It's episode oh, that, 47. That's on this show. Yeah. Yeah, it was on this show. And that was really, really good. Um, and I actually bought Alan Spector and Keith Lawrence's book. I listened to that on your show. It was called Your Retirement Quest. And that has been great because it's got questions at the end of each chapter and he's agreed to go through those questions with me. And that has been a helpful thing. I, I realized that retirement is like a project. I was trained uh, in a University of Washington uh, certificate program in project management. I needed to do that for my job. And that was in about 2005, 2006. And as I've been thinking about retirement, I realized it truly is a project. A definition of a project is it has a beginning and it has an end. It has a scope, a schedule, and a budget, and a purpose, and an outcome. And if that's not retirement, I don't know what it is, right? If retirement starts on March 28th for me, the end is kind of sad. It's probably when you die. But the scope, schedule, budget, what we're going to do, how we're going to pay for it, when are we going to do it? And I love what Alan's book talks about purpose, figuring out your vision statement, figuring out what it is that your values are. 
you know, I've done that for projects before. It's critically important, but I never thought about doing it for retirement. So we're going through each of the exercises. And again, you might say, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But I would highly recommend it because what we've learned in our marriage and in my projects is when you think about something, you're partway there. When you talk about something, you're halfway there. When you write it down and put a schedule to it, I don't know what it is, either subliminally or in your subconscious, you're both working to achieve that. And every time we've done that in our marriage, we got whatever that vision or that goal was quicker. So now we're doing it again, but that takes time. It's exhausting. It's almost like marriage counseling. We've been talking <laughs> a lot about all these different things, but I think because it's so eminent, he's willing to dig in deep and really share his heart. And I'm trying to do the same. And we're trying to find that, that place in the middle of what is this going to look like? Well, I'm glad you're doing it now and not after you retire and found there was some problem that you had to uncover what it was. Because many times there's people wind up with problems and they don't know exactly, they can't put their finger on what the problem was. And since they never really discussed it, uh, you know, it, it becomes a problem. So I'm glad that you are having these proactive conversations with your husband yeah, and I'm glad that you're going through the exercises from that from the Your Re Retirement Quest book. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm learning a lot. It, nothing's clear yet, but I do know there's work to be done in talking and sorting this out. And it does have a relationship to our financial plan. So even though all of the stuff we're talking about here is so important, in the end, you, you do have to make priority choices. You can't do and have everything you want. You but to, for yeah. one person to get everything they want and the other not to, I, I can see why there would be a potential conflict. We can talk about money during this one-year project because it obviously impacts your retirement on a more direct basis than what we've done in the past. But one of my most favorite podcasts is called Afford Anything. Mm. And the name of the host is Paula Pant. She's a... She's young. She's she's a fire, financially independent, retire early kind of person. And her podcast, her tagline is, you can afford anything you want, just not everything you want. And I really love that philosophy because it's true. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's true. We really have to make priorities. And if your priority is having a Starbucks every day, bless your heart, do it. But if you don't really care that much and you're grabbing that Starbucks because you are running late and you didn't have time to make the delicious coffee you wanted at home and you're trying to save up for something that you don't have enough money for, well, then that $1,000 a year you're spending could probably be put to better use. Most of us don't think about it, though. I mean, uh, this morning, so I'm going to tell you a story. It's kind of gross. Are you ready? Okay. Well, we already did the toilet in Asia, so, but, you know. <laughs> I'm a potty mouth because this is along those lines. Um, my dog has dementia and she has started really big time circling and we never know where she is. She's constantly getting stuck in corners and she's having accidents in the house. And so I wanted to get a, a, a soft kennel so that she could be enclosed 
in the kennel. And this is a kennel that you would like, for example, take with you to the beach. And I had one when I lived in San Diego, but I didn't use it as a kennel. I used it as a butterfly bin because I used to raise monarch butterflies when I was in San Diego. And and so that's where I would put all the plants and and I would keep them protected because in San Diego, there's a fly that will lay eggs inside the caterpillars and, it, and basically it, they eat the caterpillars from the inside out. And so when we moved, we, we got rid of a lot of things and, and this soft kennel was one of them. So I wanted to buy a new kennel to put her in. Well, I have a hard kennel and Les was like, why do you want to buy another soft kennel when we've got this, this kennel up in the attic? And I said, okay, well, we'll try it. Go upstairs, get it. And so last night we put her inside the kennel so that she would stay enclosed and put some water in there, put her bed in there. And I woke up this morning, I opened my bedroom door and a horrible smell came from the living room. <laughs> like, oh my God, what happened? Well, the dog had done her business on the floor, not in the soft kennel. If, if we would have had the soft kennel, it would have been a, a vinyl floor, but it was right on our hardwood and had created a circle of poop from her walking in this circle all night or however long it was, an hour, two hours, I don't know, but it was just horrible. So I took the dog, Les took, Les took the floor. <laughs> I, I took the dog into the shower and just showered her off. And of course, the dog was really upset by the time this was over. Les was still working on the floor when I took the dogs out for their walk. But this kennel is $100, okay? And Les was saying, let's not buy a new one. We've got this old one. But Barbara, you know how you can afford anything you want, just not everything? I'm buying one of these kennels because <laughs> I don't care if we have one that works. We are not going to go through this again, period. <laughs> so gross story, but it's true. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll cut that out. Maybe I'll leave it in. I'm not really sure. But yeah. The point is, is that what makes your life a good life, spend money on certain things. And I have gotten uh, people who have written into me since we started this show. And one of the listeners said, you know, this is great. Barbara has done some financial planning. What about us listeners who haven't? We don't have the kind of money. We don't have a pension like Barbara has. What about us? And listener, I, I want you to know that that we do want this to be a show that you can listen to as well. And think about this. Think about some of the things that we've talked about today. We've talked about going camping. We've talked about making friends with people that you don't know. We've talked about having a dog. Um, you know, you, you don't necessarily need a lot of money to have a dog. All of these things are part of rocking your retirement and they have nothing to do with money. Now, that being said... If you haven't saved, if you haven't really put the focus, you know, all your life, like Barbara and I have, on having the funds to do what you want, there's still things that you can do. One of those things is geo-arbitrage. And what that means is that if you are living in an expensive city like San Diego or Seattle, you can move. And I know that doesn't sound, you know, if your grandkids are right next door to you, I know that doesn't sound perfect, but it is an option. 
And not only can you move to another part of the U.S., but you could also choose to leave the U.S. and live somewhere where it's less expensive. Now, with COVID, we've all kind of learned more about our communities, how the U.S. differs from other countries when it comes to rules and regulations. Maybe leaving the U.S. isn't for you. But you could certainly move either into a smaller home, into a condo, across the country where there are plenty of places where you can rock your retirement with whatever money you have. Wouldn't you say that's true, Barbara? Well, I think that's what's been interesting about listening to your show is I had never thought about living internationally. I thought about traveling there, but I've been so intrigued hearing different stories from people that are living on $1,100, $1,500 a month, Social Security, and they're living these great lives, right? They're in the top of a penthouse, three meals out for the for the week in, in, in restaurants. And so I think it's something that people that live in a very expensive, high standard of living, where it's very expensive, maybe California, Oregon, Washington, at least on our West Coast, and that we met people in our travels that have relocated and gone to an area that has um, good value. Now, the sad thing is when people cash out, let's say in California and move to a community uh, that the real estate values are, are cheaper, that can have an effect on those that are locally there and pricing them out. But I think that choice for standard of living isn't just your housing, it's what you do with your activities. And again, I've listened to show after show that there's so many free things to do. It just requires some thought, some creativity, and I'm putting those on my list too. Just because I could afford to do something doesn't mean I will. We have just as much fun getting on a ferry ride and going to a beach as flying to someone somewhere in Hawaii. In fact, when we were raising our kids, we were on a beach in Hawaii when they were like four and two and they were there with a sand pail and a bucket. And my husband said, you know, we spent a lot of money to get here. They could be in a sand pail and a bucket at Mukilteo. And so since then, we've been very thoughtful about the trips we've taken and where we've gone because you can be just as happy in a place that's right in your own backyard and not have to get on a plane necessarily. So on my list, on my board of all the things to consider, I'm adding things that cost money, but I'm adding a whole bunch more that don't cost anything or maybe very nominal cost. That is so, what a perfect way to end the show. That is just so insightful. I'm glad that you're doing that. Just like Fritz Gilbert, you know, how he and his wife, I don't know if you've gotten to that episode yet, they put on pieces of paper, they put it into a bucket of what they wanted to do, and then they pull it out and they would do that. They're not doing that anymore because I I had a more recent episode, but that was how they started with their retirement to make sure that they had things to do. And they, I, I love that activity. I love putting things that you want to do in a bucket and pulling them out once or twice a week to see what can you do today? I, I did hear that one. And I think it validates what I said earlier. What they did before retirement is they spoke into existence their dreams, but then they wrote them down. But then they put them in that bucket and they thought they would pull one out all the time. But once they started pulling it out, all those things are in their mind and they didn't need to pull things out anymore. They just did the things that they had prepared for and that they'd researched 
and then made them happen. And I think, I think that's just all the more reason to treat this like a project, make some plans, and then let serendipity, let, let, let just life happen. And you might meet someone like Jared and Raquel and have a great day on a boat. Thank you, Barbara, so much for joining us again. And for the listener, thank you for joining us as well. Barbara, I can't wait until our next meeting. I'm excited too. I don't have as uh, a vacation planned in this time frame, but I'm sure I'll be learning things um, as we go. I'm still listening to all the podcasts that make sense. And um, I hope you do get a chance to look at the blog. I'll be adding in some things that I've learned about travel and sharing some personal stories. But I also think I'm going to make a list of my favorite podcasts, because if you're someone like me, maybe those will resonate with you as well. That's wonderful. Thanks again. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on the Rock Your Retirement Show. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.